everybody. Welcome to the Rude Horror Podcast. I'm Marcus Rude. And uh, before I get into the episode, I'm uh, talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street. I just wanted to give Scott over at Coffin Crew Mass a shout out for the cool trade that I did with him. He traded uh, some movies to me, or I guess I should say we traded movies back and forth. And uh, he hooked me up with uh, some extras, including a uh, severed toe um, latex sort of prop uh, that uh, was was pretty gnarly. I I dug it a lot. It's it's kind of when you squeeze it, it's kind of squishy and just really uh, gross looking. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, I thought he did a great job on it. Uh, Go check out his uh, Facebook and Instagram over at Coffin Crew Masks. And uh, hit him up if you're interested in buying masks from him. And uh, they're based out of Mason City, Iowa. So shout out to uh, Scott over at Coffin Crew Masks. The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet. But something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? We just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. There's a coroner got to say. He's in the jaw and puking since he saw it. You're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. No! No! She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, before I get into the uh, episode, per se, uh, I want to go over some uh, trivia facts and uh, a little bit about uh, the cast and crew on Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, I could go on and on, probably doing a whole episode on uh, the trivia of this movie. There's just so much about this film. It's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. And I'm sure many of you probably are the same. This is just a very good horror movie. And is pretty much the real horror movie of the series i know uh it spawned six sequels and then a a crossover with friday the 13th uh freddy vs jason and then there was a remake from 2010 that uh was not very good and did not uh get received well but uh there are rumors about a possible another reboot 
or sequel so uh always uh trying to keep up on uh any new information on that i i first saw this movie when i was pretty young probably shouldn't have watched it at a young age but uh freddie was sort of one of those characters where kids liked and uh you know like michael myers and jason just they they looked cool and uh you know it was just something that kids liked and would dress up as as for halloween and uh even though kids aren't really supposed to be watching it uh you know there's nudity violence stuff like that but uh you know us as kids and you know probably of all generations you always want to watch stuff that you're not supposed to watch and somehow you always end up finding a copy or you know your big brother or big sister let you watch it when you're not supposed to um whatever the the fact may be but uh th- this movie was probably the first true horror movie or at least i know for a fact like the first slasher that i ever owned on vhs um i had watched Actually, I want to say I watched, um, I want to say Nightmare on Elm Street 4 was the very first movie I ever watched over at a friend's house when I was really young. I can't remember. I I had to have been under 10, but uh, that was my first introduction to Freddy. I thought he was cool, and, you know, the the whole concept was very cool, that he could kill you in your dreams, and... uh, and even though like that movie wasn't really scary as a kid, it it kind of made your imagination, uh, I would say go wild. But I mean, just you have a different mindset when you're a kid, and uh, I thought that was pretty scary, and uh, was fascinated at the same time. And uh, and I, for some reason I remember this, but uh, I went to Tyson's, which is like more or less like a country farm type of store but they had movies i mean i'm sure they still have movies but uh back in the day when vhs was still a thing you could buy at the store i saw a copy of the first nightmare on elm street with freddie on the cover and uh i begged my mom to get it for me i think it was like six bucks at the time uh (laughs) i don't know why i remember that but yeah and uh so she ended up buying it for me and uh I remember my like reaction my first reaction was that Freddy was actually pretty damn scary in this one so this one was like the first true I mean it was the first movie in the series but like the the, really the only scary one like the true horror one with you know without him having the humor that he does in the later ones uh this one was more of a serious toned movie but uh I loved it, you know, it's, and it still is my absolute favorite of the series. And I don't know if this is a popular opinion, but I think New Nightmare is probably my second favorite. I, there's just, the whole idea of, uh, you know, I don't want to get too much into New Nightmare, but like just the whole concept of like, the characters are playing themselves in real life. Like Wes Craven is playing himself. Heather Lincoln Camp is playing herself. Like 
Robert England is playing himself and, uh, you know, seeing Freddy come to life in real life uh, is very cool. I dug the concept a lot, and I think it's an unrated film. Underrated film, I should say. Uh, so you guys need to give New Nightmare another chance. Go check that one out. Um, I think it's it's a very cool entry into the genre of uh, horror in you know the Freddy uh, franchise. Uh, you know, kind of bringing the real horror back into the or you know the more serious tones back into the series after like you know five entries of him being a one-liner comedian killer um it's it's kind of a fresh breath of air from that mid-90s uh horror so um that's my little spiel about my introduction to freddy but yeah man there's just so much to uh to take in with a nightmare on elm street i don't know if i'll be able to jam pack everything into here but um you know we all know who wes craven is uh he, you know he's the one that created freddy he's done uh tons of other movies uh you know he's created scream the scream franchise uh the Hills Have Eyes, The Serpent and the Rainbow, Shocker, Vampire in Brooklyn. That's another un underrated Wes Craven film you guys should watch. Deadly Friend, Chiller, Swamp Thing, the original Swamp Thing movie. And he's even acted in some of his movies, like the Scream movies. He's played cameos. Uh, Jane Silent Bob, there's a really funny cameo of him in it. Uh, making fun of his own movie screen. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's always a good time. Uh, even played in George Romero's Diary of the Dead. Go check that one out and uh, try to spot him in that. And also uh, John Carpenter and Toby Hooper's uh, fun early 90s project called Body Bags, which was a horror anthology. He even acts in that. Um He's produced in a bunch of things like Dracula 2000, Mind Ripper, Carnival of Souls. The list goes on and on. Um, yeah, if you, you know, if uh, you're not familiar with some of Wes Craven's other work besides the Nightmare series, check out some of his other stuff. I mean, the guy was a genius and is definitely one of the most memorable most noted uh person in the horror genre he's definitely up there in like uh a uh monumental status uh figure within the horror genre but moving on to the actors of the movie um the top build would be john saxon which John Saxon has played in over 130 films, and he's even directed one movie called Zombie Death House, which is a 80s horror 
zombie movie, I'm assuming. I've never seen it, but uh, I definitely do want to watch it at some point. And I think it's it's more or less of like an Italian-type film, if I'm not mistaken. But he, he's got one of those faces that you immediately recognize you know who he is, even if you don't know his name. But, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of you guys and girls, gals, <laughs> know who he is. Um, he always plays like the perfect cop type of character. Like, you know, if you think of like a cop in a horror movie, like the first one that comes to mind is John Saxon. He just plays the perfect ideal straight laced, uh, stern cop figure type of dude who, uh, is just, you know, serious at what he does and he's very good at what he does um but you might have recognized him in from dust till dawn he played uh you know again he played the cop in uh black christmas which this is december right now so black christmas is a perfect uh christmas movie to watch if you've never seen the original black christmas directed by bob clark who uh directed probably one of your favorite christmas movies of all time a christmas story with Ralphie, um, you know, that's crazy to think that, uh, you know, he made one of the best family Christmas movies and then he made one of the best horror Christmas movies. Uh, it's insane. But Black Christmas is a fucking awesome Christmas movie. You guys need to watch it. Uh, forget about the remakes. Watch the original. That one, that one's where it's at. I haven't seen the brand new um, remake, but uh, from what I've heard, it didn't really do that well. So um, the original is where it's at. John Saxon has also gone on uh, to play in uh, some of the later entries in uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street series, uh, playing himself in New Nightmare. Uh He's just an awesome dude, and uh, it's just sad to hear that he passed away earlier this year. So rest in peace, John. We'll miss you. We love your movies, and uh, you'll live on forever, man. Uh, he also played in Tenebre, uh, one of the uh, Dario Argento films. I mean, literally tons of, of stuff. Cannibal, Apo Cannibal Apocalypse. My Mom's a Werewolf, The Bees, Beyond Evil, Blood Salvage, a lot of uh, Italian films and American films. The dude could do it all. He's just, man, yeah, he was a great actor. Oh, how could I forget Enter the Dragon, Bruce Lee, another awesome film. Yeah, man, he's done awesome, awesome stuff. It's unbelievable. Moving on, uh, Marge Thompson, played by Ronnie Blakely, who uh, is Nancy's mom in this film. She's played in A Return to Salem's Lot and uh, a bunch of other films that aren't really horror films. Uh, and then we move on to uh, Nancy Thompson, played by Heather Lankenkamp. She is the one that Started it all for Nightmare on Elm Street. She is our main girl. 
and she would go on to appear in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, and as well as her uh, playing herself in New Nightmare. She also played in Shocker, Hellraiser Judgment, Star Trek Into the Darkness, and even appeared in Wolfman's Got Nards, the documentary about the Monster Squad. And something random, but uh, she did makeup work on the movie Evan Almighty, which is super random. But So there's a fun fact for you. Uh, then we also got Tina Gray, played by Amanda Weiss. Um, she played herself in New Nightmare as well. Uh, she was also in Better Off Dead, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Some newer horror movies like uh, Big Legend and The Sandman. Um, but then she was also in like you know some some older movies like To Die For and To Die For Part Two. Then we got uh, Rod Lane, uh, played by, and sorry if I butcher his name, I I don't know the pronunciation. Uh, Sue Garcia. Uh, he also was in uh, New Nightmare, Predator 2, Vampire in Brooklyn, and then some other films like Collateral Damage starring Arnold Schwarzenegger in Traffic, and Along Came Polly, the comedy. Then moving on to introducing Johnny Depp. He plays Glenn Lance in this film. This was his big break into the movie business. Um, so you can thank Wes Craven for uh, bringing you Johnny Depp. Uh, he beat like, I want to say like 200 people that were trying to play uh, the character. But uh, Wes Craven's daughter thought that he was dreamy. So he ended up going with Johnny Depp. So uh, that's a fun little fact if uh, if you didn't know. And I, I'm really not going to go into all the movies Johnny Depp has played because I'm sure you know who Johnny Depp is. And then we got Robert England who plays Freddy Krueger in this movie. And he doesn't need an introduction. He went on to play every single Freddy in all the Freddy movies except for the remake and uh my opinion I hope he comes back to play Freddy one more time at least in a newer film I th I think that would be awesome but uh who knows uh I do want to say that uh one of his earlier horror movies was uh Eaten Alive directed by Toby Hooper back in uh, 1976 so if you want to see some really early uh, Robert England pre Freddy check that one out that's a pretty fun one and then uh, a fun fact uh, Mimi Craven plays the nurse where uh, Nancy was getting Tess ran to, to see why she's having nightmares and to see, you know, what's wrong with her because her mom thinks she's nuts. Uh, 
and uh, Mimi is the nurse who uh, puts those uh, little things on her head to, to test. She was actually married to Wes Craven for five years. So that was kind of a, a cool little fact. Even though like, you only briefly see her for, you know, under 30 seconds. But uh, still pretty cool nonetheless. And then we got uh, producer Robert Shea, who has produced, uh, I think, every single Nightmare on Elm Street uh Not the remake, but all the originals. And he's produced like the Lord of the Ring movies, um, Critters, Extra, um, stuff like that. And uh, I'm sure you all know who Lynn Shea is. So that that's Robert Shea's wife. And she plays the teacher in this movie. And, you know, you see her in just about every new horror movie these days like the insidious movies and uh the grudge all that kind of stuff so she don't really need an introduction but you do get to see a young version of her in this so that's cool but i'll go off just a little bit of trivia and then i'm gonna do like a play-by-play -play type thing just uh, pretty much go through the movie and uh, talk about like what happens pretty much. Um, there was over 500 gallons of fake blood that was used during this film. Um, Heather Lincoln boyfriend at the time of the shooting this movie is credited for creating Freddy's little nursery nursery rhyme. The film was shot in 32 days. In the original script, Freddy was uh, supposed to be a child molester, but however, the decision was changed to him being a child murderer instead. Um, but then uh, in the remake, the 2010 remake, they did put him back as a uh, child molester. Uh, so that's, that's kind of creepy, but, you know it's i could see why they they chose with just going child murderer because that's uh kind of a uh, subject that people don't really like to talk about and for being like a big hollywood uh type movie that probably wasn't the best choice of going with um so i mean either one is pretty bad but i guess they went with like the lesser the lesser uh I don't know. They're both pretty bad. But, yeah. Um, let's see. So, like, the scene <clears throat> where Freddy's arms are, like, super long, that was, a, that was pretty much done by uh, a, a guy on each side had fishing poles that was hooked up to it so they could pick up the arms and uh drag them or you know make it look like he's walking with these long ass arms uh it would take about three hours to get robert robert england into uh freddie makeup the boiler scenes were shot in a basement in the lincoln heights jail in los angeles which was shortly condemned after after they had uh shot there 
due to high levels of, of uh, asbestos. So uh, I wonder how many people actually got affected by asbestos from working in there. That's uh, pretty nuts. And then, you know, I'm sure most of you know that uh, Wes Craven had uh, got inspired by true events or uh, inspired by a true story of uh, creating Freddy about uh, there's uh, an article in the paper way back in the day when uh, Wes was reading about a kid who had died from uh, uh, having nightmares and he would stay up as long as he could until he finally went to like finally passed out from exhaustion and like his parents and you know adults didn't believe him that uh that someone was trying to kill him in his dreams and then uh you know after he fell asleep he woke up in the middle of the night screaming and uh they ran in to, to see what was going on and he was dead and later they when they were doing tests he didn't die of like any heart related conditions that he that he just plainly died uh from uh his nightmare i guess so that kind of uh pretty much created the story of uh of nightmare on elm street and how the kids were having nightmares of this person trying to kill them and that he's real and you know like the parents and adults aren't believing these kids even though they are telling the truth so that's kind of a cool concept of uh of a horror movie that hasn't been done before at the time and uh you know it's truly terrifying to know that uh someone had died from uh something so similar in a way that uh just some type of phenomena that uh can't be explained and if you've ever watched this film you ever notice uh that nancy's house the door is blue in the first one and then in all the other sequels they're red i always thought that was kind of interesting to why they chose to go that way And uh, another fact that Freddy Krueger was supposed to be a silent type character, kind of like Jason and Michael, but uh, in the series, you know, as the series goes on, uh, they ended up turning him into kind of like a black-humored killer that you know, welcome to prime time, bitch, you know, like just has some comedy relief in it but uh Wes really wanted him to be sort of like just a uh a killer that didn't really talk much which he maybe says a few lines but uh he was never supposed to be a comedian um apparently so uh it's very interesting to uh to just think of what he could have been like and I mean, I guess they tried to go with a more serious approach with the 2010 one, but that one just, uh, 
that one just flopped. It it didn't. There was a lot uh, wrong with that film. But yeah, I could go on and on about uh, uh, some of this stuff. Uh, you know, there's just tons of information. But uh, one more before we go on to uh, to uh, talk about the film. That uh, what I thought something was was interesting was uh that West had helped uh, Sean Cunningham work on a few shots of the original Friday the 13th film. And then like as a favor, um, Cunningham directed a few shots near the end of uh, filming the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. That, uh, so some of the uh, couple of the uh, shots in Nightmare on Elm Street was actually filmed by Sean S. Cunningham, which I thought was kind of cool. But anyways, I mean, I, as I said, like, I could just keep going on and on. There is so much cool stuff about A Nightmare on Elm Street. You guys should definitely look it up and, uh, and check it out. So the movie starts out, we see Tina Gray is, uh, is in a nightmare already, and we're not really sure what's going on it's just you know the intro to the movie and uh she is uh awakened by the nightmare where she's been attacked by freddy and you get to see like uh some claw marks in her nightgown uh just to kind of show you that uh that something is real about these dreams and uh and her mother kind of goes in with uh to see just how she's doing and whatnot that she had a nightmare and uh the following morning she meets up with her best friend nancy thompson and nancy's boyfriend glenn and then uh later on that day and uh Tina talks to Nancy about her dream and that uh how there's this guy trying to kill her in her dream and uh and whatnot and then uh later on the two stay at uh Tina's house that night when uh, Tina's mother decides to go out of town. Uh, they sort of have a sleepover with uh, Glenn and uh, Tina's boyfriend crashes the party. Rod and uh, they just have a they have a good old time. Uh, then soon. The scene goes to uh, Tina and Rod are having sex upstairs, and Glenn can hear everything, and he's just kind of like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> they're at it again. And uh, so they're upstairs having a good time, and uh, Tina goes to sleep, and then she dreams of Freddy again being chased by him. Rod wakes up, and Tina is sort of having like an exorcist moment of just uh going crazy in the bed and just uh 
going wild and uh rod is like you know trying to figure out what the fuck is going on but then all of a sudden she levitates and she's spinning around and looks like she's in a cabacle with somebody and uh and she's getting thrown up on the ceiling and getting cuts on her chest and uh just these unbelievable stuff happening I should mention when Amanda Weiss's character is in this room spinning around getting cut up. Um, the scene of her interacting with Freddy in uh, the dream world. There's some really cool special effects of uh, Freddy chopping his finger off. And you get to see some like antifreeze uh, looking blood just kind of spewing out of his fingers and he's looking at his fingers and her say you know back and forth and it's kind of looking like oh look what i can do and uh you know when he grabs her she kind of uh puts her hand on his face and uh almost like peels away what skin is there and it's just like nothing but like uh blood and flesh and like a skeleton it's like a really cool effect looking uh, uh, effect and uh, it's just like little things like that that uh, you know keep interest and just you know kind of add to the suspense of things. Nancy and Glenn could hear screaming going on so they run upstairs knocking at the door just trying to uh, see what's going on. The door's locked. And uh, all of a sudden it goes quiet and uh, Glenn is able to kind of break into the door to see that uh, the room is just covered in blood and uh, Tina's blood is just everywhere. Her body's mutilated on the ground and Rod is nowhere to be seen. He had fled through the window. So this kind of um, builds up for uh, the characters besides Nancy um, and even at the time, I think Nancy even thinks that maybe Rod had something to do with Tina's death. Everyone else is convinced that it is Rod. Um, but, you know, later on in the movie, uh, you know, plays out that Nancy knows what's going on as far as Freddie's involvement. But uh, at this time, it's sort of unclear. So then, like, the next scene we get, uh, Nancy's dad, John Saxon in the movie, or Lieutenant Thompson, whatever you want to call him, uh, he's being informed about, uh, the crime and that his, uh, daughter is somehow involved as, like, victim-wise, and, uh, so he's getting kind of, uh, informed on what's going on. His uh, wife and daughter at the police station. So he's going to go talk to her to see what the hell is going on. Um, but Nancy's trying to explain that, like, the relationship wasn't bad. And, uh, you know, like, their fights were not serious and stuff like that. So he, she can't really picture Rod doing this. And mentioned that Tina was having dreams of a guy with razor knives for hand. And, uh, you know, was was cutting her up and... Uh, or cut that out. 
was uh, trying to attack her in her dreams and that, you know, she had dreamed that this was going to happen. Uh, pretty much leading up that uh, possibly this Freddy character is who is to blame. So uh, that's pretty much the end of that scene. And then it goes to like the next day. And uh, some reason Nancy is wanting to go to school. So uh, <laughs> she, you know, after her friend just died. So she talks to her mom in the morning and then gets ready to go to school. So she walks to school. We kind of see like... Uh, just like kind of like the atmosphere build up. I mean, I'm not saying it's exactly like uh, the original Halloween, but it kind of reminded me of uh, of Halloween in a way of like when Jamie Lee was walking with her friends. Just like the scenery shots just kind of reminded me of that. So you see Nancy walking in, in a similar sort of fashion as far as these uh, shots are. But then all of a sudden... Uh, Rod emerges from the bushes and, and uh, grabs Nancy, covers her mouth, and kind of pulls her in. And and he's just like, hey, I'm not going to hurt you. And so she kind of uh, is uh, easing up because like, she was struggling and like wanting to scream for help and stuff. But then she kind of calms down and uh, was like, well, did you do it? And he's like, no, I didn't lay a hand on her. And... Uh, you know, she's just like, well, the door is locked in your side. And he's like, don't look at me like I'm some fucking fruitcake or something. And, uh, <laughs> you know, pretty much explaining that uh, it was someone else in the room attacking her. And then that's where Nancy's dad pulls a gun out and is like, all right, step aside, son. And, and uh, he makes a run for it. And Nancy kind of steps in front of the line of fire. And uh, so, you know, her dad had to pull away. It was just like, Jesus Christ, like, you know, you know, I almost shot you. And so he's trying to make a run for it. The cops got him cornered on each side of the street. So he is forced to comply with the cops and is taken into custody. So then there's some uh, conversation between the lieutenant and Nancy saying like you know nancy is saying that 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 she, he used her to uh get rod in custody and he's just like well you know what the hell are you doing going to school anyways which he's got a point because you know something traumatic just happened to her but yet she wants to go to school and uh so she's mad that her dad used her to get rod so she storms off going to school and then the next scene is where we see Lin Shay, a young Lin Shay, uh, teaching the class about Hamlet, I think it is. And this is where Nancy subsequently falls asleep without really, uh, without really uh, seeing that she's fall asleep. But uh, she sees like her uh, her dead friend Tina in the window. 
And so she gets up to go follow her. She runs into a girl that's uh, wearing a Freddy sweatshirt or sweater. And something about, where's your hall pass? And Nancy's like, screw your hall pass. <laughs> and she kept, kept walking. And then Nancy sort of runs off, but then you hear the voice of Freddie saying, Hey, Nancy, no running in the hallway. And it's that same girl, but she's got a Freddie glove on. And it, it's uh, Freddie's voice saying this, but she's, you know, acting as if she's the one saying it. She just, you know, keeps on uh, running like, you know, fuck this shit. She ends up finding herself going downstairs into the boiler room and it's uh ends up being Freddy's lair, so to speak. And uh sorry if you hear my daughter, but she might be popping in here from time to time, you might hear her a little bit, so there's really nothing I can do at this time with the winter time here. Uh since I usually have this out in my garage, I got my setup out there, but it's getting too freaking cold out there. So I'm going to start doing my podcast inside. And uh, so, sorry guys, but you might hear her from time to time. And uh, yeah, just for the, just probably for the winter time until I'm able to go back outside. But uh, yeah, I'm just going to have to deal with this. <laughs> But yeah, so she makes her way down to the boiler room and uh, she meets up with Freddy there. She's trying to escape from Freddy and he keeps getting closer in on her. And so she ends up putting her arm on a hot pipe, burns her arm, and she instantly wakes up screaming, just, uh, you know, Pretty much makes a big scene in this classroom. The classroom is like looking at her like, what the hell is going on? The teacher kind of goes out there just to see what's going on. And we see that Nancy has a big burn on her arm. Exactly like how it occurred in her dream. And uh, so she ends up leaving class. And she leaves class uh, as she's walking out. She looks at her arm, and it's actually burnt in real life. So what happened in her dream um, somehow is happening in real life. Uh, so she goes to the police station to talk to Rod and, you know, try to figure out what's going on. Rod tells her uh, that he was having dreams as well. And, you know, we knew that Tina was having dreams of this Freddy character. Well, Rod describes Freddy, essentially. And, uh, you know, Nancy is also having these dreams. So she's realizing that Freddy is responsible for Tina's death. So then we cut to another scene where... Nancy is in the bathtub and uh, her mom sort of makes a gesture to uh, not fall asleep in the bathtub because people die from it and, you know, 
Nancy's like, of course I won't. And what does she do? She falls asleep in the bathtub and uh, is nearly drowned by Freddy. And we get to see a cool scene of Freddy trying to drown her. And, uh, you know, that this is the iconic scene where Freddy's claw uh, pops up through the, the the bathtub and whatnot. But, yeah. Uh, Freddy attacks her in the in the bathtub, tries to drown her. Her mom uh, is trying to break in, but uh, Nancy snaps out of it. She gets up and pretty much lets her mom in, and uh, you know, pretty much is saying like, you know, I'm okay, everything's okay, and you had me worried to death, honey. And she's like, Oh, I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, then we move on to, uh, Nancy is pretty much, uh, dependent on, uh, caffeine and she's got that coffee machine in her bedroom. So she does not want to fall asleep at all. She invites Glenn over to, uh, watch her sleep and we get to see a little interaction of, he doesn't really know what to think of the situation. Like, he doesn't think she's crazy, but she's sort of acting like she's getting crazy. You know, just almost there, but not quite. Uh, so she ends up falling asleep, and she sees Freddy um, getting ready to kill Rod in his cell with the bed sheet. And, uh,. He sort of uh, turns direction towards her, just kind of laughing, like, hey, look what I'm going to do. And uh, so she runs away. She wakes up when her alarm clock goes off. But uh, uh, she, so she tries uh, to make it down to the police station with Glenn and uh, – convince her dad to go take a look at Rod because they think that something seriously is going to happen to him. Uh, they kind of stall a little bit because the cop's like, he's fine. You know, he's sleeping like a baby. And, you know, she's being very persistent. So her dad says, okay, let's, let's go take a look. And as they go to look, Rod is being hung from his cell and uh you know just seconds before they're able to get to him he he dies uh, so then moving on to rod's funeral uh, nancy's parents uh start to become worried about nancy uh when when she starts to describe her dreams about this freddy krueger character her mom and dad uh s sort of look at each other and uh this is where you find out that uh they know something about this freddy character and uh so they well i guess i should say the mom decides to take her to the sleep disorder clinic to get some help and uh so they start running tests on her and uh to figure out what is going on and this is where we see uh, Mimi Cravens, or uh, this is where we see Mimi Craven, uh, the ex-wife uh, of Wes Craven, 
just for a brief moment. And then the doctor, uh, I forgot his name offhand, but he actually did the voice for Roger Rabbit and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is a, uh, I guess, a childhood favorite of mine. It's it's up there. I watched that all the time as a kid. So it's cool to to, to know that uh, <laughs> the doctor is Roger Rabbit and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I did not know that until I, uh, was listening to the commentary. Wes Craven was talking about it and I thought that was a cool little, uh, tidbit of information. Um, but anyways, so they're running tests and, uh, she's sort of showing up normal and then all of a sudden she does fall asleep and, the test is just going crazy. Like the the needles are going uh, haywire, and uh, the doctor is trying to figure out, uh, you know, something isn't going right here. <laughs> we need to go in there and check it out. And so she's kind of having this tantrum fit in her bed. She's just shaking uncontrollably, screaming, and then she wakes up and she actually pulls out Freddy Krueger's hat, or I should say, his fedora. Uh, pulls it into the real world I should say and uh, so this is uh, kind of a cool thing where we learn where she can actually pull things from her dream from this uh, Freddy dream world and uh, you know her mom's like where'd you get that and you know it's a really weird uh, situation because I mean how could she just have that hidden in her bed i mean you you think they would see a fedora you know in the around nancy uh, you know she's just in her gown and whatnot so i mean i you know they didn't really question it but uh so we just you know we have to roll with it in this movie um So the next day happens, uh, we learn that Nancy's mom has barricaded the house. She's put bars up on the windows, uh, took down the uh, the rose trellis so uh, uh, Glenn can't come over. Uh, or, you know, just, I don't know. Uh, so she's in a danger to herself, I guess. Uh, but... Uh, this is where uh, Nancy kind of gets gets whatever her mom is holding back out of her. This is where she explains that uh, Freddy Krueger was a child murderer and that he uh, was released from uh, from his sentence, and uh, a lot of parents retaliated. And then they burned him alive uh, to to avenge justice for for what he had done. So now Nancy realizes that this person is coming back in her dreams and is trying to kill the kids on Elm Street. And, you know, every everything's coming full circle. She's starting to realize uh, that this person is real. And she is not going crazy, but she seems to be the only one uh, that knows she's not crazy at this point. 
so Nancy's trying to call Glenn. He's over at the house uh, watching TV, which he's actually having a TV sit on top of him while he's laying on bed with headphones. It's kind of a weird thing. I don't know if people in the 80s really did that or not, but, uh, you know, this this is what we get. And uh, he can't hear because, of, you know, he's got the headphones and the TV going on. Um, and then... Uh, his mom ends up picking up the phone and, uh, you know, cause her, her parents, there's a little scene where her parents were talking about, uh, or Glenn's parents were talking about Nancy and how she, you know, she's crazy. Glenn don't need to be around her. Uh, so when, uh, Nancy and Glenn's mom are talking, she ends up handing the phone over to Glenn's dad and, the dad is just kind of like, uh, Glenn's asleep. Just, uh, call him tomorrow or, you know, he'll, he'll talk to you later and then hangs up. So there's no way for Nancy to get a hold of Glenn. Glenn is, well, you guessed it. He is going to be a victim. And, uh, so this is the, uh, iconic scene where Johnny Depp is, uh, sucked into his bed and uh, we see this uh, really cool effect of blood, just huge pool of blood, like a waterfall is flowing up to the ceiling. And uh, it's really cool to hear about how they pulled it off, um, which you'll have to check out the documentary, and not the documentary. Well, there is a documentary, but check out the uh, commentary. Uh, I watched the commentary for the DVD uh, I got the box set of Nightmare on Elm Street, and uh, it comes with that uh, Nightmare Encyclopedia DVD, which is really cool. But uh, I guess the, the commentary track on there was uh, the one they did for the laser disc, so that was kind of interesting. So I'm I'm assuming it had to have been around like 1996 when they recorded it. 1995, 1996, somewhere around there. Um, but yeah, they they kind of go a little bit in depth uh, how they did that scene, and it's 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 an awesome scene. It's you know probably the most icon, one of the most iconic uh, kills in this movie. So yep, Glenn is a goner. He is pretty much a pool of blood now, and his room is just grotesque. And uh, just a bloodbath. So Nancy is pretty much the only one alive from her friend, you know, in her group of friends. And uh, we we sort of see like a reverse role with Nancy putting her mom to sleep in. Uh, Uh, I don't know, it's it's very weird. And, uh, you know, the cops show up to this scene ever at Glenn's house, and it's just this uh, big investigation going on, and they're trying to figure out what happened to Glenn. Uh, Nancy's dad pretty much tells Nancy to uh, stay in the house. And, uh, Nancy kind of sc screams over to uh, 
to have her dad come over at exactly midnight to wake her up because she has the idea of trying to bring Freddy into the real world and she wants her dad there to uh, to not only see that she's telling the truth but to you know get rid of this Freddy guy so she starts booby trapping the house with uh with like light bulbs filled with gunpowder uh, a, a sledgehammer trap that when he opens the door it falls down and hits him uh just all all this stuff so she wants to stay a step ahead of him So uh, she does, in fact, fall asleep, uh, gets in a uh, cabacle with him in the dream. And uh, she ends up pulling him into the real world. But, uh, you know, of course, we had to get a, a jump scare where it doesn't look like it worked. And uh, so, you know, there's some tension in the air. Um, all of a sudden, he jumps out through the the mirror crashes into uh nancy i believe i think that's the thing or or maybe i'm getting confused uh or maybe does he just jump out of nowhere like i don't know if that was the mirror jump scene or not oh well who cares um She starts leading through these booby traps, and he has fallen for every single one of these things. So uh, it's really making him look like a loser in the real world. Like she just uh, is kicking his ass. And uh, it's working so good that Nancy is able to light him on fire and then uh, kick him down in the basement and uh, locks the door. And Nancy is run to uh, the front door or uh, to the front of the house and uh, is crying for help, trying to get her dad over there, saying that she's got him. Uh, and then I, one of the cops is like, oh, I, I, I better go get the lieutenant. It's like, you know, you're. it's taking you uh, this long to figure out that maybe something isn't wrong. Like, I don't know. That scene was just, it kind of made me chuckle a little bit because, uh, you know, they they didn't want to go over and help her the first time when she wanted them to come over. But now all of a sudden he's like, well, maybe better go get the lieutenant. So uh, John Saxon runs over and, uh, you know, he she's saying that, uh, that she's got him down the basement and they're like, well, where's he at? Where's he at? Cause you don't see him in the basement, but we get to see these little fire foot trails, uh, leading up to, uh, Nancy's mom's room. And they go in there and they see the burning Freddy Krueger smothering, uh, Nancy's mom in her bed. And it seems like, uh, the mother is dead. And we get to see this scene of this burnt skeleton kind of floating down into this bottomless pit of a bed. And uh, it's a really cool scene. It, it's a little corny, but uh, 
I can forgive it. I mean, this movie is just <laughs> an awesome movie, and uh, a little a little corniness I can I can forgive. But uh, uh, soon after, uh, Don tries to put out the fire, and uh, Kruger and uh, Marge vanish into the bed, and then the bed is normal. Uh, let me get this, this awkward scene of uh, uh, John just kind of leaving the room. He's just he don't know what to believe, and Nancy is in the room by herself. And Kruger rises from the bed, and Nancy is uh, turned around, and she realizes that his power is uh, is fueled by the fear from the victims, and uh, she pretty much says that uh, she's not afraid of him, and uh, that she takes every ounce of power that she put into him away from him. And he tries to play it off like, well, you, you can't, this, you know, you can't kill me, blah, blah, blah. And she goes to, or he goes to lunge at her and he is uh, powerless and he gets sucked back into the, I don't know if it's the dream world or he just vanishes because, you know, she doesn't fear him and that's what kills freddy uh he loses his power if uh no one fears him so we sort of get this fairy tale ending where it seems like the next day uh nancy wakes up and uh steps outside and it's just this bright filled you know just happy day and uh her it almost seems like the whole thing was a dream because uh, her friends show up and her mother is still alive. So the friends are in the the car pulling up to her house to get ready for school. And uh, she gets into Glenn's convertible and they head to school. But suddenly the doors are all locked and uh, the car is driving uh, uncontrollably down the street. Glenn is trying to say that he's not the one doing this so we kind of see the uh the friends just kind of uh acting very concerned and nancy's trying to beat on the window saying like mom mom help me and uh the mom's just kind of smiling waving like have a good day kids <laughs> and uh this is where we see uh the three girls in the white dresses playing jump rope and we hear the freddy chant and uh you know <coughs> and then the mom is uh waving by the door all of a sudden freddie grabs her from the window of the door and sucks her into the door window and that is the end the end of a nightmare on elm street what an awesome 80s horror film it's definitely, you know, like I said, it's definitely one of my favorites. Uh, ever since I was a little kid and, uh, it, you know, watching it recently at the age of 30, uh, it still holds up for me. I, I just think it's an awesome movie and I don't think I'll ever get tired of watching it. 
Well, let me know what you guys think of this film. Is it is it good? Am I holding it higher praise than what you what you think? Um, and what's your favorite in the series? Like I've already said that the first one is my favorite, and then uh, I have to give New Nightmare uh, high praise, and then probably like Dream Warrior in uh, Nightmare Part Four. I would hold those up probably next in line. Uh, but yeah, I uh, just want to say thank you all for taking the time of listening to this episode. And uh, I have a great episode coming up right after this one. Uh, I talked to uh, a couple people from uh, the Hillsborough Road movie uh, again. They will be returning. Uh, I should say Larry Sands and Eric Kasloff are returning with a couple of the cast members. So this is uh, the biggest group of people I've had on one podcast. Making it a whopping of you know five people total, four guests. Uh, and it was such a fun time. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and, and, uh, and check it out. And uh hope you guys take the time to check out their Indiegogo campaign uh, for Hillsboro Road, which you can go now and donate and uh, pick up some cool perks and help get the movie funded. It sounds like it's going to be a awesome throwback to the 80s horror slasher genre, and uh, I can't wait to see what they come up with. But... uh to sign off for this episode, I just want to thank uh, Evil Dead Beats for uh, providing music for this show, and uh, as well as Pit Lord again for the awesome intro that they made for me. Also, want to give a shout out to Midwest Monster Fest. They are a horror pop culture convention that will be happening next September. 3rd, 4th, and 5th, I believe. And it's going to be an awesome three-day event. It's a not-to-miss event, guys. There's lots of uh, celebrities and vendors and costume contests. Uh, Midwest Monster Fest Film Fest will be there. So there's going to be tons of movies being shown there. It's just going to be an awesome time. So go to MidwestMonsterFest.com. Check out what they have to offer and get your tickets now and uh just wait around till september shows up and uh you won't be disappointed i guarantee it and uh i also want to mention uh you know hopefully i'm just gonna say hopefully uh for december i'm gonna be talking about uh some kind of winter movie like a christmas movie or uh man i'm I really want to do an episode on this movie i got from arrow video called the chill factor and uh on the back it says that it's the exorcist meets the winter olympics so like right there i'm sold as to uh like man i gotta check this out and uh watch this around christmas time possibly uh the winter time for sure so uh i thought maybe i'll do that one at some point 
I mean, maybe not December, but uh, I definitely want to do that one before uh, winter ends. And, uh, yeah. Next up for my solo episode, uh, I did a poll uh, between four movies. And The Crazies from 1974 was the top-picked one. So, uh, I have to give you guys my word and uh, talk about... George Romero's The Crazies. It won't be next after this episode. Uh, the guest episode will be next. Possibly the uh, Crazies will be on after that. So stay tuned, everyone. And stay scared. I'm signing off here. Enjoy this uh, Beats from Evil Dead Beats.